question for you guys. Are we ever going to get back to that whole dress up for work thing the way we used to? I don't know. But one thing I do know is it is time to get out of those PJs and those grungy t-shirts and we need to give ourselves an upgraded but still super comfy wardrobe that makes us smile and ideally makes our coworkers, our friends, and our family smile as well. I have so many friends that I've wanted to send little pick-me-ups to to let them know it's all good and that includes you. So that's why I created Grown Up Gear, a fun line of t-shirts, sweats, pillows, mugs, totes, and more that I guarantee will give you and everyone that you're Zooming with all day long a good giggle. Grown Up Gear is about saying the things out loud that we tell ourselves silently, like when you wake up and you look in the mirror and you think, I can't believe I'm a grown up either. Or maybe you just want to be honest that you are still a grown up in progress. Or you want to send a gift congratulating a friend for paying off their debt. The most comfy sweatshirts, t-shirts, tote bags, mugs, pillows, and more. Give it to yourself or your favorite grown-up or almost grown-up friend. Go to grownupgear.com to check it out. For discount codes and sales, follow us on Instagram at our new handle at grownupgear and DM us with any questions. And thank you because by supporting grown-up gear, you help support this free podcast. Financial Grown-Up Guide, five ways to get paid more with Ladies Get Paid's Claire Wasserman. You're listening to Financial Grown-Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money, but it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown-up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hey, grown-up friends. Do you want to make more money? Yeah, I thought so. And yeah, me too. The harsh reality is that the pandemic has been brutal, not just for our health, but also, yeah, for our wealth. Because how do you ask for more money from your boss or how do you raise prices on your customers in a pandemic? I mean, we should be grateful just to have our jobs, just to have our businesses running if that's the case, which is true. That doesn't mean that we don't deserve to get paid more and that doesn't mean that we can't get paid more and we should not assume that those who make the decisions can't and aren't willing to pay us more, right? So I was thrilled to get to talk with Claire Wasserman of Ladies Get Paid about her new book, aptly titled, Ladies Get Paid, The Ultimate Guide to Breaking Barriers, Owning Your Worth, and Taking Command of Your Career. So if you are open to making more money, this episode is definitely for you. By the way, no need to take notes. As always, the show notes have a quick summary of the episode and all the links that you will need and even a transcript of the entire interview. You just go to my website, bobbyrebell.com and click on the financial grown-up tab to bring you to the podcast section. There's also a search box on the top right if you want to search for this or a past episode. Okay, my friends, here is Claire Wasserman of Ladies Get Paid. Claire Wasserman, welcome to the Financial Grown-Up Podcast and congrats on your new book, Ladies Get Paid, The Ultimate Guide to Breaking Barriers, Owning Your Worth, and Taking Command of Your Career. Thank you so much for having me. We're going to talk more about the book later in the show, but I want to get right into the five ways to get paid more that you brought for us. The first one is about talking to real people. And that sounds easy, but in this age, it can be complicated. 
Well, you could do research on Glassdoor all day, all night. It's just not going to be as accurate as it would be if you talk to real people. Here's the good news. If you are nervous, remember, every single person wants and needs money, and every single person is trying to figure out how much to charge. So if you were the first person in your friend group to talk about money, you were actually doing them a favor. Now, you don't have to ask people specifically, you know, how much do you make? Because sometimes that can feel a little uncomfortable. So instead, how about you bring them the research that you've done? Listen, I'm an art director five years into my career. I, I'm working for a company that has 10 people. And, and please note here, I'm talking about context. Context is key. Tell them this is the research I did between X and Y. This is the salary I think I should be getting paid. Am I off base? Or or what, you know, more abstractly, you know, what's the, the ballpark that you're making? Just remember you want to talk to white men also because they're the ones who are getting paid the most. And if any of them are trying to figure out how to be allies, which, you know, a lot of them are, this is a great way that they can support you. So don't be afraid to even cold email people. Find them on LinkedIn. Tell them you're trying to figure out your salary and you'd love for them to be an ally. You know, how much do they make? Would they be willing to share even just a ballpark? The worst thing that can happen is they just don't respond. The second tip to get paid more is have three numbers. What does that mean, Claire? Well, I think too often we go into a negotiation with only one number prepared or maybe even no numbers prepared and we just completely go off of what they say. Big problem, big problem, because first of all, we don't know if they're going to be giving an offer that is the highest offer. I mean, oftentimes it really is you know, just a starting point, they're providing a number with the expectation that you will counter. So what's your counter? And the counter should be at the very top of the range that you have researched. Then you have to have a comeback, right? Don't just stop after the first, you know, back and forth with them. Your second number, it's going to be the middle of the range. And the last number is your bottom line and you hope to never have to get there. So start with the top number, they're going to counter, then you're going to counter and Hopefully you get to some kind of compromise. I mean, that's the whole point of a negotiation is for both people to get to a place where they feel like they've gotten something. Even though you have those three numbers in your head, is it better to try to get them to make the first offer or is it better for you to make that first number, to throw out the number first? I have a controversial opinion here because I think when you do research, a lot of other coaches will tell you never be the first one to say the number because you might lowball yourself. If you've done the market research... And they're paying in the market research. When you are the first person to say it, you're anchoring high. If they are the first person, they may be anchoring low. And it sometimes can feel a little uncomfortable to say, well, that wasn't really what I was thinking. Or, you know, it might kind of throw you off. Maybe it even demoralizes you. So start with the number you want, but back it up with the research that you've done. You can even say, I've spoken to a number of other people. If they ask, you know, where did you get this number? And you can also say things like, this is the number, the market research that I found, but what what are you proposing? You know, So it's not like you're ending the conversation with that first number. And a lot of employers, though, try to find out what you were making before and anchor to that. How should people handle that? Because it also depends kind of where you live. Exactly, right? So some states have passed what's called the salary history ban. The thinking behind that is if marginalized groups are getting paid less than other people, you know, from the beginning of their career. And, you know, every time that they get a raise, if that's always based on that original salary, well, then, you know, the gap will compound over time and, and will never catch up. So you can decline to respond or you can be abstract or tell them how much you got paid. But listen, that's not relevant to the ask now. I mean, even think about this. Look at the original job description. 
write a new one for what you did, you're going to see a lot of changes. You're going to see experiences, growth, maybe totally different you know, work that you ended up taking on. So the salary that was originally given to you was based on what you knew then. So regardless of what this next job is in the market research, just know for yourself that you have grown by leaps and bounds since that first salary. Number three, you want to talk about the whole picture. Yes. And this is especially important now when people are negotiating during a time of sort of economic instability. Full compensation, right? You can negotiate for things other than money, things that bring you value, but maybe don't cost the company that much or nothing at all. Okay. So this could be career development, uh, commissions, starting, you know, uh, signing bonus if you're moving, right? Moving costs, uh, more vacation days. I mean, really anything that you think that you want. You just need to prioritize it because you can't ask for everything. So I would say, what are the top one, two, and three uh, items for full comp you can bring up? I would personally bring it up after the salary conversation is over, only because I don't want them to use your full comp ask as leverage to get that salary down. And you want to ask for this regardless of whether or not it's a pandemic. You know, just, Just be prepared that you may need to ask for more things, more full comp, if a time like now, right? If they're not saying yes to the salary. If you're wondering, well, Claire, if they don't have the money to give me a salary bump, you know, how are they going to afford to give me a signing bonus or or pay for me to go to a conference? A lot of times these come from different budgets. I know so many women who were not able to get the salary they wanted, but the signing bonus actually got them to a place where their now annual salary was exactly what they wanted to begin with. And that was simply because different budgets from different departments. So if you don't ask 100%, you're not getting. Again, the worst thing that can happen is they say no, which in my mind is really kind of a not yet. And then you can continue the conversation later. I like that, a not yet, not a no. Are there benefits that have evolved during the pandemic that people may not be aware of that they can ask for? Well, make sure that you're getting uh, cell phone and internet and anything that requires you to do work from home, which by the way, I think most of us are doing, or a lot of us are doing mm-hmm. that. Oh, yeah. I wonder if it can even be your laptop, you know, paper, pen. I mean, really pretend you're a freelancer, to be honest. Your overhead costs, they should be paying for. You know, if you want to continue flexibility, you've really proven now to them that it is possible. So if this fits for your lifestyle, you know, and you want to do a hybrid model, be prepared to ask and you can make the case, I think, pretty easily. Is that something you should ask before you start or is that something you should wait? Because traditionally people often said, go in, you know, 100% and be extremely present. And then once you prove yourself and they know you and they trust you, then you can ask for sort of a hybrid approach. What's your take on that? Yeah. I mean, if this is a deal breaker for you, then you definitely want to bring this up maybe, mm-hmm. you know, during the interview. Otherwise, you're wasting your own time along with with theirs. You can also ask open-ended question of, do you have a hybrid model? You know, are there other people doing this? You know, I'm just, I'm comparing company. You know, I'm just curious. So you can get a sense from the very beginning of their openness to the conversation. And then, you know, in terms of proving yourself Sure, but just remember that it's not necessarily all or nothing. You can ask for maybe once or twice a month, you know, or or once a week or something where they can see how this is going to go and also proactively address all the reasons that they might be hesitant. So you're not just, hey, can I work from home and letting them tell you, no, no, no. You know, it's okay if you're concerned about team dynamic or communication, you know, here's a way that we can address that. 
just making it really easy for them to feel good about saying yes to you. Exactly. Make it easy to say yes. The fourth way to get paid more is my favorite. It's about your value add, really. I think that's everything. The market research part is easy, but making the case, okay? So it's you say, well, hey, I want top dollar. Well, hold on now. You have to prove to me that you're a top performer. You know, you don't get the money because you deserve it, even though, you know, I know you deserve it. And it's also not about here's the work that I did because guess what? It was your job. (laughs) Okay. It's really about here is how I've impacted the bottom line at this company. Now, if you were in sales or in other positions where it is just obvious how you've brought in money, lucky, lucky you. But for other folks, you need to do a little bit of sleuth work. So maybe it's, well, how much time did you save the company, right? Maybe you took over for another person who was on, you know, paid family leave or, or, you know, your job really ballooned into multiple roles. You created efficient processes with, with your team. I mean, discounts with vendors. Maybe you were able to negotiate, saved time, saved money. That is making money for the company. Even things about how you've been a leader for your team, right? You've brought enthusiasm and energy. Maybe you've worked there for a long time and you've become a mentor. This is helping the company save money because it's helping people continue to work there. It is expensive for them to lose employees. It is expensive for them to find new employees. So if you are part of contributing to the culture of the company, that is it means as much as if you were able to land a client but you just have to make the case. Have testimonials too. So through all throughout the year, I mean, first of all, you should be tracking your wins. You should be forwarding your wins when you have great feedback, let's say, from a client. You know, go ahead and forward it to your boss. You know, their success hinges on your success. So this is actually making them feel really good about what they're doing. And when you go in to negotiate, you can say, listen, the client, Bob, you know, gave me this feedback. It's kind of like you're, you know, you're an LLC of you, you're a product, and this is a customer review. I mean, not to put it so, you know, it sounds not great, but that's the same thing. It's like, don't just take my word for it. Take Bob's word for it. Okay. The fifth way to get paid more. This is something I think is very hard for a lot of women because you tell them to be assertive, but you also have to have empathy. You have to ask with empathy, uh, especially for women, because we are, this is terrible, but there's this thing called the double bind. When women act outside of the social norm of how we're expected to act, we can get penalized by both men and women. So we are expected to be accommodating, you know, put others before ourselves, be nice, be good girls, don't disrupt. Well, hold on now. If you go in and you ask for a lot of money and you're being assertive, well, what's the chance that they're going to now look at you like you're aggressive? And women of color, I know you're nodding, right? This is something that they experience even more. So how do you address this? Well, you use the word we. I'm sure we can figure this out together. But you've said your big number. I want to be clear. You've been assertive. But then you kind of caveat it with, well, I'm sure we can figure this out together. Or I know you're. this is a company that pays women equitably. That's actually kind of shaming them a little bit. So I... <laughs> Like that one. Uh, or this is a company that that is very fair. I'm sure we can figure this out together. And you mm-hmm. can always, you know, at the very end, just say, well, what would you do if you were in my shoes? You know, bring it around. And, and do remember that we're all negotiating in this environment. They will, I think, automatically have empathy with you if you have empathy with them. I don't want to let you go before we talk a little bit about your book directly. Like I said, it's called Ladies Get Paid, The Ultimate Guide to Breaking Barriers, Owning Your Worth, and Taking Command of Your Career. What was your favorite chapter? 
I don't think I have a favorite chapter. I just have favorite stories. So for those of you listening, if you're not familiar with the book, I structure it by following the lives of nine real women from the Ladies Get Paid community. Each of them is going through a different professional challenge. And as I tell their story, I kind of stop along the way and I give advice a woman who came to the second workshop that I ever organized about getting unstuck in her career. And all the way, you know, for the next year and a half, she wanted to be in some kind of civic engagement role, maybe in politics. And finally, at a town hall that I hosted about reinventing yourself, she stood up and she declared to the whole room, I have always wanted to run for office. You know, but people who look like me don't run for office. And she was a young a Hispanic woman. And she said, and this was in front of a room, you know, this is a hundred women. She said, but I am going to run for office. And everybody cheered. And I cried. I cried because I knew her. I knew her since college. And, And, you know, we were so excited for her because how brave she was to declare that she was going to do something that she was probably not going to succeed at. She was going to be going, you know, against an incumbent who was like 20 or 30 years older than her. Of course, you know, a white man. And so here she was saying, I'm going to do this thing, and the chances that I even succeed are so slim. But that was why it was courageous, and that's why we were so moved by her. Now, of course, a year later, she wins, and she became the youngest congresswoman ever, and her name is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So that story is my favorite. I guess I just gave away the ending of that story. <laughs> but uh, if that you know wasn't enough to have you read the book, well, you'll read the book. I know you all will. <laughs> Yeah, the book was amazing. And by the way, it's important to know that even though the title is Lady Get Ladies Get Paid, there's a lot of general career advice here that's really powerful and things that you haven't necessarily heard before, very original strategies that I think will be helpful to everyone. My favorite chapter, by the way, was in level up level up section. You have different sections. I love chapter eight get allies because I think it's so important to have allies in your corner. As you mentioned, so many jobs are never publicly listed. And so it's important to have people that are looking out for you. And it's not always your direct inner circle. Sometimes it's your acquaintances that can be so valuable in helping your career. I have never gotten a job that I applied to online. I I think I maybe got an interview once. Okay. My whole career has come from relationships that I've built over time. They've also been strategic. It's not mutually exclusive to, you know, be authentic and have a genuine friendship while also knowing how you're going to end up, you know, both of you are going to sort of leverage each other's strengths and connections. And that, again, has been the key and the key to men, right? The old boys club that exists for a reason. And so we have to create the young girls club. How about that? Yeah. And you have to, well, it's the everyone club really. And, and you have to, one of my favorite stories was the last one that you share, which is Madeline, who, you know, really investigated and was very upset to find that the men in her company were making multitudes of what she was making. I was a little bit upset by what the ending was, but it was a big lesson. So that name has been changed. Yes. But her story is in the New Yorker. You can all figure out. <laughs> yeah. It is wild. It is even more dramatic than I put in the book because my editor thought, well, the people won't believe this. So you know what? Truth is stranger than fiction. And she was so um, – I'm so honored by her and everybody else who so vulnerably shared their struggles with me. I think it goes a long way to showing you know folks out there that they're not alone, which is the first step. You know, Undo any shame that you have in order to be open to learning and to helping others. We're all going through something. So I just, it's so um, relieving. It's like you just alleviate this like weight off of you when you share your story. And I'm just honored that these women did that with me and, and for, for you all. 
Yeah. And thank you for sharing all of those stories. Tell us more about where people can reach you. We know the book is available everywhere. Where can people be in touch with you and ladies get paid? I would love you all to follow me on Instagram. I'm at Claire Gets Paid. You can also follow Ladies Get Paid, Ladies Get Paid on Instagram. And join our Slack group. We've got 75,000 women from all over the world. They've exchanged more than 2 million messages since 2016. So very talkative in there. And and it's free. So you just join at ladiesgetpaid.com and we'll add you. And thanks, Bobby, for having me. I I always love an opportunity to to share my story. And as you can tell, I like to talk. If you loved what Claire had to say as much as I did, I hope you will, first of all, go buy her book. It's great. And I also hope you will take a moment while you are listening to this podcast and take a screenshot of it and post it on Instagram stories or other social media. And if you tag me at BobbyRebel1, that's B-O-B-B-I-R-E-B-E-L-L and then the number one, you will be entered into our monthly giveaways. You can win books by our authors that are on the podcast as well as merch from our new Grown Up Gear store. You can see the merch, by the way, right on my website, bobbyrebel.com. You'll see it says shop Grown Up Gear. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Financial Grown Up Podcast. So grateful for Claire Wasserman for helping us all learn to get paid like financial grownups. Bye, everyone. The Financial Grown-Up Podcast is a production of BRK Media. The podcast is hosted by me, Bobby Rebel, but the real magic happens behind the scenes with our team. Steve Stewart is our editor and producer, and Amanda Savin is our talent coordinator and content creator. So yeah, that means she does the show notes you can get for every show right on our website and all the fantastic graphics that you can see on our social media channels. Our mission here at Financial Grown Up is to help you be at your financial best in every stage of life. And this year, we want to help you get there by giving away some of our favorite money books. To get yours, make sure you are on the grown up list. Go to bobbyrebel.com to sign up for free. While you're there, please check out our grown up gear shop and help support the show by buying something to express your commitment to being a financial grown up. Stay in touch on Instagram at bobbyrebel1 and on Twitter at Bobby Rebel. You can email us at hello at financialgrownup.com. And if you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend and maybe leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a couple minutes. Join us next time for more stories to help you live your best grown-up life.